Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Melanie Eusebi. She's a creative entrepreneur and director. She is also a co-founder of the Black British Business Awards and founder of the Money Moves Financial Empowerment Programme. She is someone that goes and makes things happen and I'm so glad that she does because she's helping so many people. Melanie was also a judge for the 2020 Women's Prize for Fiction and in the same year she was awarded an MBE for her services to diversity in business. She is a powerhouse of pep talks and knowledge and brilliance, and I'm thrilled today to be talking to her about her new book, Financial Wellness and How to Find It. This is not just another money book telling you about budgets and spreadsheets. This goes much deeper and it shows us that the way we think about our money has a lot to do with the way we think about ourselves and the stories we believe about what we deserve. It looks at self-esteem and self-worth and the relationship we have with money, looking back at our childhood and the way that we move through the world and crucially how we can empower ourselves, be happier when it comes to money and more content and fulfilled and more in control. I really enjoyed this conversation with Melanie and I hope you get a lot from it because I definitely did. And if you want to know more, I definitely recommend picking up a copy of the book. It's called Financial Wellness and How to Find It and it's out now. So here is the episode with Melanie and I hope you enjoy it. So I am thrilled to have the amazing Melanie on the podcast. We met years ago. I've been such a fan of your work over the years. And now I have a copy of your amazing book in my hands, Financial Wellness and How to Find It. First of all, congratulations, because we're actually recording this on publication day. Honestly, thank you so much. It's just been, it's been a blur, a long pandemic blur, but a blur nonetheless. And it's to get to this point, like it just makes me tear up. It's a, it was a labor of love, you know? Yes, I know exactly how you feel. It's a, it's a build up to it being today. So I'm really honored that I've got your time today to talk about the book. So I wanted to start off with a quote that I think is in the book because I saw it on some of the promo, but it said, without financial wellness, no amount of money will ever be enough. And I really love how you break down the myths in this book that regardless of how much money you have across the spectrum, how to feel well with your money. Would you be able to explain what that means? Because I feel like this sets this book apart from the others. This whole book really was from my personal experience. It was that I was a management consultant. I worked for, you know, one of those big four firms. I made a lot of money and I had a lot of beautiful handbags and I wasn't managing my money. I'd never learned how to manage my money either. My mom was really good with money, but I didn't know what was under the magic box when she did it. And so, you know, hard to really apply rules that you've never learned. And on top of that, you never talk about it. So, yeah, I was making a lot of loot, but was I really, did I really understand, I don't know, when my company was underpaying me, maybe? Did I really understand that every time I bought a Zara blouse, that meant I was working for a job that I didn't necessarily want to do anymore? That I was, I was literally like frittering away my freedom money every time I bought something that I wasn't going to use in a few years. Um, you know, all of those things, I think it's, it's, it's about that whole double X economy. Like it's just women being almost separated from their time and their money. Like it's almost like this group, it's this group chattel where we can use women's money and use women's time and women's resources in a way that it's, it's not equally recompensed in society. Like deep, so that at the core of this book is economic empowerment for women. Cause I just think that we are somewhat divorced from our money from basically birth. 
<laughs> yes, it's so true. And money is such an emotional topic, isn't it? And I know you say in the book, how you treat your money is basically how you treat yourself or how you feel about money is how you feel about yourself. And sometimes I feel like we're not allowed to say that out loud that it's emotional because it's like, sometimes that's synonymous with being a woman and being emotional, but I'm happy to say it is emotional. And I, I love that you lay that out in the book. But the thing is, we see it with our, like, we see it with the service industry, right? It's mostly women who are in the services, who both in the caring and the carer industries as well. It's over-indexed with women. And, but we, but they're also the ones that are paid the least. And you're just like, well, but why? I don't, I don't understand. We don't, we're not taught to say, to, to value our contribution from teaching to nursing to, you know, we're not, it, it's literally devalued on this kind of economic scale of, capitalism and don't get me wrong like I'm not going to go into the economy now but I don't think we're taught how that you know every time I give an hour to you Emma or I give an hour to my dog or give an hour to running outside it is you're 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 giving away something of worth and of something of value inherent value in itself you know so it's it's really and I didn't get that I think until I started talking to friends who had gone through that themselves, you know, like some of my friends are quite senior and then they exposed their, their wallets to me and exposed the things that they were worried about, things that they were doing, the, the way they had to take care of their parents, the way that they were taking care of their children. And I was like, holy crap, like I didn't know anything about money at all. Mm. And I worked at a bank. <laughs> Dude, I, I worked at a branch and my backside knew nothing about money. So the shame around it was that I thought I should know, but I didn't. And that's a lot of us. I think we think we should know and then we don't. And it's shame and we don't do anything about it. It's crazy, isn't it? When you peel back the layers, especially of women that you sort of admire and look up to, because we're all in this. We Everyone has a relationship with money. And it's crazy and to me. We talk about stuff, right? Like we literally talk about our stool. <laughs> we talk about our vaginas. We talk about, you know, the things that we talk about, you know, we, we put stuff out there. And one of the beautiful things about being a woman, I, I, I realized this during the pandemic, is that we are, we are, we have the freedom almost to kind of speak to each other on a really intimate level right off the bat. Like we are able to make relationships well into, create new relationships well into our late stages. And if you contrast that with, with men who are, you know, it's a bit tougher for them to say, you know, I'm feeling bad today. I'm feeling sad today. I'm feeling depressed today. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know today. We have that liberty. So what I want women to do is like take, grab hold of the liberty, grab hold of that power that we have to talk to each other about intimate topics, like our children and our, and, and like, like everything and take and put it to our money, apply it to our money. Just talk about it. Just talk to each other. That's the powerful thing about it. Like when we talk to each other, then we realize, okay, I'm not so stupid. Wait a minute. Nothing's wrong with me. Something's actually wrong with the rest of the world. Cause why are they <laughs> isolating us from our money? You know? <laughs> yes. And, and I think in the book, you say something like getting to the root, getting to the deeper root. And to me, like you say, most of the time, it's not even about money. It's about something much deeper. Like I've got a friend who admitted to me a while ago that she hasn't sent quite a few invoices out recently and she's not like a really wealthy person that doesn't need the money she physically felt like her self-esteem was so low that she couldn't even send the invoices and I was like oh my god 
but that it, it but it's I, I wouldn't even say that's a very common problem. I wouldn't say it's a problem. It's almost it's like a common occurrence that we don't prioritize getting paid for our like our our deposit into this world. Like the like the inherent value that we bring to the table. It's such a pain in the backside to invoice it. It's such a pain in the backside to write a CV to that itemizes the things that I will contribute. You know, it, it's we're it's like it's, it's beaten out of us for some reason. I don't know what it is, but invoicing is so chasing after clients and be like, hi, did you pay me? Hi, did you pay me? Especially if you're dealing with large businesses and like, you know, you're the one contractor, your sole business. She shouldn't, and that's so she shouldn't feel alone. That's why I want her to talk to her friends and her telling you, she'd be like, actually, there were some times in our money moves group that we wouldn't even do budgeting. We would literally sit there and do invoicing. And then we would like share invoicing templates. Like, you know, those chaser templates as well. Like, oh, that sounds yeah. good. I'm going to put that line in the next one, you know? Because, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden you realize that actually it's not my worth. It's the fact that invoicing and working with large companies sometimes really sucks. <laughs> Yes. And I, it's so good in the book, those practical examples that like you literally have put some stuff in there that you could copy and paste and use. And that's so good. I was being quite honest with a friend the other day also about how my time, I feel like it's so hard. It's really hard, isn't it, to know what to charge for your time. This is like the endless conversation between women, like how much am I worth? And someone said to me years ago, and I'll always remember it, that it's not an hour of your time. It's like, 10 or 20 years of experience that leads up to that one hour of your time. And would you be able to talk a little bit about that? Because you talk about time so well in this book. Yes, most definitely. And your friend was was right that, um, and I have the problem as well in terms of being, you know, when I operate independently, I have the problem in regards to, um, you know, just kind of figuring out what I'm going to charge people. And so I have looked at the market and I said, okay, well, you know, who else is a speaker like me with the equivalent amount of experience that speaks in the same area? And I try to find out what their pricing is. I speak to agencies as well. And I say, okay, well, how much would I get paid if you were charging out for me on your agents, you know, as an agent? Um, and so I, I do kind of figure out where I am in the market. And I keep, I hold that value dear to my heart. And if I choose to discount someone or if I choose or discount my price or if I choose to give it for free, you will always get an invoice from me. And that's a practice I had to like implement. But even if it's OK, I really like you and we've worked hard together. So, you know what, you can get a 75 percent discount. Don't even worry about it. I get your budget is small this time. You're doing a new project, whatever. But you need to know that my value is the 100 percent and the relationship that we have I like my discretion is that I'm giving you um, a, a discount, but we don't frequently do the research to say, okay, well, what's the reasonable price? Like, and for whether it be a job that you're working for someone else or an independent contractor or your own business, there are ways to find out pricing. Like, let's keep it real. Like if, it, if you, if, you know, if you were investigating your kind of your boyfriend's ex-girlfriend, you would research the shit out of Google. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know how to research people. Come on now, we all know this now. <laughs> so we can go in and we can speak to agencies. We can speak to recruitment joints. We can, you know, we can Google and Glassdoor and see how much are people making and, and, and set that tone. But so the, the root of the problem is, do you want to set a value? You're uncomfortable 
and you're uncomfortable with going too high for being above your station, being that tall poppy that's gonna be chopped down. And that is where the root of the problem is. And how do you get around that? This is a, sometimes where you have to fake it till you make it, even if you don't feel it. But if everything else is telling you that you're supposed to be it, then walk into it. I don't always say fake it till you make it. I'm a content girl, but sometimes yeah. in this case for pay, I would say fake it till you make it. So like yeah. give that value. Definitely, definitely. Because it's like starting before you're ready. Sometimes I I remind myself of that, that you will always get to that point, but you kind of have to like jump, jump into it. Exactly. You have to jump into it. I jumped in, I was charging myself and I'll say it because I like to talk about numbers. I was charging in the beginning, like, you know, maybe 500 pounds um, for a speech, you know, and then I spoke to a good friend of mine and he was like, Mel, you run a national program and you've done this and you're a TV trained and you're a professor. Really? Mm. <laughs> it's like, you know, up it up to 2000. I'm like, 2000. <laughs> I had a really similar thing happen to me at a conference once and I charged like 750 pounds for the speaking gig and I couldn't believe it. Like that was so much money to me. Like that was just, you know, more than I would have been getting at my old job. And the woman who organized the event, who I love for this, she came up to me at the end of the, the event and she was like, pulled me to one side. And she was like, just so you know, the other speaker who was a who was a guy is getting paid four times that. Um, and I just didn't know. That's the thing. And that's why we got to talk to each other. It just makes me tear up just thinking about that. Because it's so, when you hear that, when you hear that someone besides you is getting paid more for the same or lesser value than you bring, it is heartbreaking. It's hard. And I had that happen to me at one of the organizations I worked for. And I, I quit. I had to. I found out. And I was like, I, and I asked for a 40% raise. They said no. And I was like, I'm out. And I went to another firm that was really, you know, they, they, they paid me well. Um, and even now, you know, my negotiating skills, I, you know, I had to feel the, the pain of that first experience. But thank God for that woman. And that's why I want us to open up, the, like, you know, I want to open up just the door so we can talk about this stuff so that she, she did feel, you know, wait a minute, you're undervaluing yourself. You're undercharging for your services. And thank God she was able to talk to you about that. And you'll never go back. Even just thinking about all the books that you published. That's craziness. That's absolutely yeah. great. It's crazy. I mean, it was, it was quite a long time ago, but I still, I still wouldn't have known if she hadn't told me. And I think it's so it's so powerful to share information like that because yeah. I think I've heard you before discuss how the and this is more of a salary thing I think you were talking yes. about that there should be stricter bands around salary yeah. and stricter things in place so that someone is just paid their worth up front because I do think there's so many books and so many articles out there being like you know go on women go and ask for more but actually it, it leaves a lot of people out doesn't it who aren't naturally as good as that all of a sudden you have to find yourself developing a voice so that you can fight to get paid the same equally fairly. That's unbelievable to me. So yeah, I will always, in the meanwhile, like I always try to give advice to people coming after me and say, look, I'm going to give you the optimal world advice if the world is totally fair and amazing and cute. <laughs> and then I'm going to give you, but this shit is real. So this is what you got mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. like what say but people always ask me about my natural hair black women and that, like that's where I always apply the advice I'm like yeah women should be able to wear their hair however they want in the workplace but then if you look upwards and you see that no other woman in your workforce has natural hair then you got to make a decision if you want to go natural and, or have dreads or do you know what I mean or if you are going to wear extensions and straighten your hair 
and so like so it so I, I just feel like with this with with asking for a pay rise, asking for for more, yes, I want I'm gonna teach you in the meanwhile how to ask for more and get your worth. But actually on the other side of it, I'm also going to advocate for equal pay and, and those tighter salary bands so that there's not as much discretion afforded to companies and to line managers in terms of how much they pay you. That really you go into it, you should be able to go into a job and say tops, there's like a, you know, 40 to 45K or, you know, 45 to 55K, like maybe in the senior levels, but you can't do that. You cannot expect women to kind of come into the workplace, anyone to come into the workplace and know how to negotiate their salaries. You know, even though I was a loudmouth, I didn't know how to negotiate on my own behalf. I didn't know at all. And it was my my male colleagues, my friends, that one, you know, that friend that takes you aside and be like, you know what, Mel? <laughs> I don't know if you know you're getting paid this and we're all getting paid this. I'm like, Whoa, how did this happen? And then he was like, and then they taught me how to ask for a pay rise. I was so grateful, so grateful. And that's and that was how Stevie Spring and I developed how to kind of how to t- get a pay rise for the Women of the World Festival. I remember that day specifically because they I didn't know we didn't they had put us together and we had not worked together before, but we worked together to create the session. And Annie Lennox was speaking in the other room at the Women of the World Festival. And I just remember coming up the stairs and there was a queue. Like we're like, oh yeah, everyone's going to be at analytics. No one's going to come to our session. He wants to come to our session. And seriously, there's a queue down the stairs because we were upstairs, overflow of all these women who wanted to ask how to get a pay rise. And honestly, I know I'm probably a bit emotional right now, but it just made me so sad. It made me so sad because it was just, it was too many. It's too many of us that don't know how to do this. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. and it hurts. It really, it really, really hurts that we, are being separated from our value, our contribution in a way that we have to feel undervalued and, and, and undermined. And it's not, it's, it has to stop. It really has to stop. I just, I don't understand how we can even justify ourselves right now. I know. And it, and it's like, if you've got a job, you shouldn't have to have another job on top of that. No, that's exactly. Because we're hustling ourselves into the grave. What? Yes. <laughs> no joke. We're hustling ourselves into the grave. And so... Um, and, then, and then that means that all of our creative energy, our creative passions, all of the, the beautiful contributions we make to this planet, they're not realized because we're tired. Because we're mm-hmm. tired, people. We can't do everything. I'm tired. <laughs> do everything. <laughs> yes. And back to, you know, the theme of the book that's in the title, wellness. I feel like that word has been taken over and sort of weaponized a little bit from very sort of, uh, what? how shall I describe this? Like, uh, popular yoga teachers who are just telling you everything will be okay if you kind of meditate through it, but you can't like meditate through like systemic problems. Exactly. Exactly. So I love though that we are talking about, in, well, you talk about in the book that wellness in this context means just the opposite of sickness. Exactly, exactly. Wellness is, uh, it, it's almost financial confidence. It's it's kind of, you know, if we even if we think about it in the physical or compare it to wellness in the physical sense, um, it's just, it's not just the absence of sickness. It's the, it's the pursuit of health as well. It's like, it's above and beyond. And that means that, you know, where your money is, you know, what's up, your money is linked to your time. Your money is linked to your future goals. And importantly for us, in the terms of it, it, women, we feel confident that I don't know the answer, but I'm going to get the answer, <laughs> right? Like it's not, 
It's not, um, if you think about our periods, right? We may not know the answer about our bits, but we know where to get the answers, right? There's, there's gynecological services, obstetric services, Google, and we're like, yeah, and, but, and we feel entitled to know the answer. You know why? Because I'm a woman. And that's the kind of, I, I, I have that, I want that confidence for us with our money. We're mm-hmm. fine. I know that I am entitled because I literally, I work, I contribute, I, you know, I, I, I spend money as a consumer. I am entitled to know more about money. I want them to be so entitled that it's actually almost abrasively obnoxious. That's, I want them to flip to the other side so that you can ask questions about not only how to manage your own money, but where your money is going. Um, like, you know, when you, you spend money at a company where there are no women on the boards, and you're just like, wait a minute. I want a woman to be empowered enough to say, hey, do you have women on your boards? And they were like, no. I'm like, oh, damn, I guess I can't spend with you. And then keep it moving so that, you know, you're even thinking about those bigger things. It's, you know, yes. it's, I, I, I want it to be so deep that it's just, and the, the fact of the matter is, is that with some of my male friends, particularly ones who are wealthy, not because they have had a windfall, but just because they've had regular activities over the last 20 years that have just encouraged them to save and invest. And they, they're so entitled, like not even entitled with it. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to think about it. Like yeah. they, that's it. They just do it. And you're just like, you know, I'm not saying they read the financial times every day, but there's a way that they can say, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I have every right to know it. So I'm going to go and find out. I'm going to get that accountant or I'm going to read that book or I'm going to, you know, talk to my boy about it and say, hey, what are you investing in today or where are you going to buy that property or, you know, that kind of thing. It's the, the comfort level is so unreal. I'm fascinated by people who have so much wealth and don't feel very happy at a soul level. I find that really interesting. And like, I know that money, of course, makes us happier to a certain extent. Of course, like to feed your family, to pay your bills, to sleep at night and not worry. That is, that will bring you more joy. Like a bigger garden might literally make your kids happier maybe. But I just find it so interesting that when we talk about money, like we were saying at the beginning, it's not the actual necessarily the numbers we're talking about here. It's kind of a contentment, like a deeper contentment. It is. It is. It's how you spend it, realizing that your money is time, but, and how you spend your time. So I, again, I was working, I had a really, a really amazing job, which made a lot of money, but I was deeply unhappy. I was gaining weight. I was working really long and hard hours. And even though I liked problem solving, I didn't necessarily like the kinds of problems that I was solving. I thought I didn't like them, but they weren't really floating my boat. And what killed it for me was that I wanted to start my own business. I always wanted to be like an entrepreneur and I just didn't have the freedom to do so because I had no loot. Because you know why? The loot was going towards the the more consumerism aspects of my life. So I could Mm -hmm. see I was making a lot of loot, but then my lifestyle started elevating the same way that my paycheck was. And so I wasn't, I didn't have any extras. And so all of a sudden when I realized I didn't want to do that job anymore, I wanted to start my own business. I had no space or room to breathe. And ultimately I had no freedom. I locked myself into a job and a career uh, that I didn't, that I didn't want to do. And I think that that happens a lot of times where, yeah, they may be making a lot of loot, 
but they've locked themselves into a lifestyle where they're not happy because it's not necessarily what they want to do with their time. So that's why I always relate money and time together. That's such an interesting point that money in many ways should mean freedom, but actually in some ways you can be so locked into that sort of, yeah, you know, whatever job it might be where you have no freedom, but you have money and you don't even have time to spend the money. You don't have time to spend the money and you don't even like you just, and you're spending all this time and you're tired and you're not doing the things that are really important to you. Maybe like spending more time with your family or maybe like learning something new or maybe, you know, starting that business that you wanted to start, but, but then you're locked into a cycle because you got to make the loop, you know, from the primary kind of job that you have it, it happens so it happens so much like I think because I left the consultancies and went to start my own business I'm almost like this Jesus now like you were people like confess and they're just like oh Mel you know tell me about how you left or Mel like oh, I want to start my own business or you know I just want to take a chance on this so you get like a lot of confessionals um professional okay. sessions and people you know people financial services the, the city of London, they makes a lot of money, but um, there are also a lot of people who are locked into a cycle, you know, and then they have dependents, children, you know, care responsibilities. All of a sudden we're getting older. I got to take care of my parents now. And, you know, it's, it's a lot. And then you just, it, the net seems to be closing on you and you're not free. Yeah. Yes. Cause I remember when I, when I quit my job, I did, I was able to because I got my first book deal. So I had like a little bit of money to like tide me over for a few months. But I remember making this budget spreadsheet of how much do I need to get through the month? Like how much do I need to like pay my bills? Maybe go, f- not not even go for any f- like dinners with friends, like just to survive and just get yeah. by and literally live. And I was like, I think being self-employed and just earning that amount would actually make me happier for a bit because I needed a break. So I just wondered how, when did you first realize you were like, got to get out, want some more autonomy? Yeah, that was like 2013-ish, where I was like, I need to just, I need to go for the business. And so you're right, you go for that. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of names for it in the book. I think you call it a ramen budget, like, or the, you know, just like, what does it take for you to live on this planet budget? Like the bare bones, <laughs> yeah. like just pay for heat, <laughs> you know, pay for water, I think everyone should know that like at the bare bones, what do you need a month? If it's 2000, if it's 1000, it's mortgage or if it's rent or whatever. And so if you have that number, then you start to um, just think about, okay, well, if I make like 6,000 a month or something like that, just pretend then, you know, how am I kind of filtering away money so that I can kind of stretch out the time that I would have, it would buy me a month of freedom Um, because you're right. I, I figured out what my my ramen budget was and my ramen noodle budget. And I was so much happier. It's un- like I remember the day I walked out, I handed in my laptop and it was weird identity wise because I was always so used to saying, this is what I do and this is where I work. And then, and then you realize that you're wearing, I was wearing the same clothes. I sold all my nice handbags. I didn't have any loot, of course. Sold all the gadgets and everything, got rid of the car, everything. And I was so much happier. Um, so much more fulfilled. That lasted for about a year and a half. Let's keep a hundred because then, you know, then you kind of want to go out to dinner with your friends. <laughs> you know, you want to do yes, that. Yes, 100%. But then you've, you've switched your paradigm, right? So now you're like, oh, how do I make money in this new paradigm rather than making money the old way? But in the back of my head, I knew I could always go back and get a full-time job in, in my previous career choice. But I, I, I 
I, you, I felt free in a way that I never, I'd never felt before. I'd worked at, you know, at Boots since I was 16. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I would encourage anyone to do that. What it did help me when I came back to consulting and I came back to making more money, I still lived at a lower level than probably most of my peers. At that, mm-hmm. like I still lived kind of because because I was very conscious in the back of my mind that I, I ultimately what I was paying for was my freedom. I want my freedom. Yeah, I, I love how you describe that, and and it really and enables people to vis- to picture a. A different option or at least just to take a step back and be like what what do I actually want from my life because something isn't working maybe but I love the tools in the book it's so practical but it's also not scary it's very welcoming and very comforting and reassuring and I love as well the that encouragement from you in the book that you don't have to do this alone this isn't something you should do alone you should ask for help and also the safe space is it like the tent yes the red tent I call it the red tent and I'm like (laughs) Because that's it. I think there was, there was a beautiful book a few years ago called The Red Tent. I know you guys have read it, but basically it's about, you know, where women go this tent every month when they're going through their cycles, um, their menstrual cycles, the last few days. Well, no, the first days. Uh, and yeah, and that's where you could see like a lot of the stories and the exchange and then also moms, new moms as well. So that's where there was like birthing um kind of knowledge transfer as well as rearing small children knowledge transfer in this red tent. So then I call it the green tent now. <laughs> and I have like a green tent um, of money concept. And I did it with my friends first. And it was so amazing because, but it just grew from having wine and hip hop and snacks. <laughs> but when the wonder of it was when I had, I created the Money Moves community. And then we had one at my school, my, my university where I teach. So I you know, brought the hip hop and the snacks and the wine to the drinks. And these women just, like, they didn't know, none of them knew each other. They were so different from one another. And it was wonderful to see the support that they gave each other across all the spectrums. Like, some of them were moms, some of them were not. Some of them were single, some of them were not. Some of them had, you know, big paying jobs, some of them didn't. Some of them, you know, were debt divas, and some of them were the spreadsheet queens. And they, but near the end, they are all like, okay, so what about your sky? Like, why do you pay so much for your sky bill? Or why did you get that on Amazon? And like, literally when we were going through the line items of our budget, they just started to share these really somewhat intimate details of your life, right? Because what you spend and they did it. And they, and that's just, I was like, this is why I know this works because we talk about yeah. everything else. I know we can talk about money and take out the shame. Oh my God, so true. Because if you ask me now, like, what's the last four things you bought? I would be, I would feel shame. I'd be like, oh, I ordered a pizza last night. And then I, and then I did, you know, it's just very sort of very intimate. But I I love that your book, it, it encourages us to go there. And it encourages us to even look to our past and look at our childhood and look to our parent at our parents. Because if you've got a friend that I don't know, you might think is like slightly stingy or whatever, which is like a very mean thing to think. Right. Um, but, you know, for example, that might be because of something that happened. It could be even something based with like a bit of a traumatic upbringing. It could be to do with their parenting style. Like we just don't know what where these habits come from. And it's a very serious topic. We don't. And you know what? Like I, yeah, I remember we had a friend. I had a friend like that. He was just, he was kind of stingy, you know? Like, you know, when there's, you go for a round, they'll never go for a round. Or like when you go over to each other's houses and they don't bring a bottle, you know, like things like that. We're just like, and that, that ish can really ruin relationships. You know, like money is so poisonous if it's not handled. And so 
I remember, you know, talking to him. I was like, dude, you do realize you do this, right? Like, it looks bad. What's wrong with you? Now, I know that I'm Mel, so I have a certain style where I can get away with saying certain things with love that probably other people need to kind of just be like, but especially because it was a guy as well, like, probably worked better for me to be slightly jokingly like harassy little sisterish rather than it being, <laughs> you know, like, look, we need to talk about these things. Um, and never did it again. He never did it again. He was so embarrassed. And I was just like, you know, it looks bad, dude. He's like, yeah. other people have noticed. I'm like, we've all noticed. <laughs> like, you never That's noticed. so good to say. And because you're right, it is, it does get in the way of relationships sometimes. And even all the time. for example, like, I find if someone's being generous, you want them to be generous because they want to be. I think some people can then be resentful because they're like, I'm always generous. I'm always doing this. And it's like, okay, but we need to like all be on the same page here. Exactly. Like that over generosity, you know, one thing I I can't remember which chapter of the book it's in, but we do describe that it's a flow. Like life is a flow and, you know, things flow into your life and they flow out of your life. Like that's just a way of progression. And you giving, giving, giving all the time is really effing up the flow. Like you can't, like you got to receive, you know? And so, and you also have to receive, you also have to give and receive, like just in a, in a way that's somewhat balanced and not just because of your own, kind of self-protection, which is fantastic and, and self-care, but because it, it it leads to healthier relationships. Like if you're always the one who's paying for everything, if you're always the one who's organizing everything, or if you're always the recipient of that, then resentment does grow, unfortunately. So it's, um yeah, there is a flow of life. You have to give and you have to receive equally, love that. but differently. Yeah, that's way. so good that's such good advice because using the word flow there I so I believe I do believe that money is an energy exchange and it is sort of energetic but I do have a problem with people who say manifest your money manifest manifest this overnight and you'll get a million pounds and it will end up on your doorstep if you just think the right thoughts like that's where it kind of goes into like danger territory for me what are your thoughts oh. Yeah, I'm not very good with that. I'm not very good. That's one of the reasons why I haven't really kind of, you know, there's a whole industry, right, based on manifestations and the the law of attraction. And while I subscribe to it to a certain extent in terms of making sure that the stuff that's coming out of your mouth is stuff that empowers and enables you and doesn't like detract from you and your purpose. But on the other hand, that kind of, you know, speaking it, like it's easy for everyone. Uh, I yeah. don't necessarily subscribe to it because it just feels like you got to do the work. Like I, I, I'm from the world that you got to do. <laughs> you actually like you can say, say, say all you want, but saying, saying, saying all you want and you haven't done the work underneath um, doesn't necessarily do anything. Like I've never seen it work. Like you, you got to do the work. So are you reading and researching? Are you putting yourself in a position you're educating yourself. Are you, are you talking to people about it? Are you, you know, like there's all kinds of stuff that you could be doing to, to manifest money. Are, do you have a job? How about that? Like, how about like a career or like a, some sort of craft capability to, to trade your services or trade your, you know. So no, I'm, and I think it's actually quite scary and we have to be mindful of it. We have to watch out for that mentality. But on the other hand, it's really important that we be careful what's coming out of our mouth. Like shit like, 
I'm really bad at maths. I've always hated maths. Girl, that's not the way I want you to go. I don't want you to roll that way. <laughs> so I don't need you to say that. You are not bad at maths. You are not. Yeah, like, yeah that's really true. You've really got to back yourself. Yeah, you got to back and, yourself. And we are not, you know, we're not who we were when we were teenagers. Like we can learn things, we can grow, we can change. Exactly. And if someone at school told you you were bad at maths, then, you know, let that leave your brain and you can do it. Yeah. Exactly. And you, I don't want you to be the, like the boastful person either, but there's no need to negate yourself because let's keep a hundred. There is so much stuff out there that is hot to negate you. You don't need to do it to yourself. It's all good. <laughs> There'll be someone, some fool who doesn't know you, doesn't know your stuff, who's going to be saying some silliness that you're going to have to ignore. You don't need to add on to the nonsense like of, of, of just, just walking through life by negating yourself. But it is important to articulate what you want, articulate like, who you are. Uh, but in terms of, artic- and, and, you know, and articulate certainly your goals, but I'm not sure if, manifestation is how you're going to achieve it yes thank you so much genuinely I know that like empowerment seems to be like a buzzword at this point but your book genuinely made me just like stand up a little bit taller and be like this is possible and we can all get a handle on this stuff like it's gonna be okay we can like I have a playlist every Friday that I um and it starts off with that song from Rihanna bitch better have my money and I call it my invoicing playlist. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's on Spotify. I feel like it's public. So just in case you guys need some motivation. Oh, I listened to that song. I just got paid quite a lot. <laughs> exactly. See, like that's, you, I just feel like all of the, there's a creative way, a beautiful, loving, kind of funny, loving way to, to engage in your finances. It doesn't have to be all angsty. It could just be, okay, I'm sitting down. And I'm invoicing and I'm listening to the soundtrack and I was like, and I was like, send what's going on. You know, obviously you want to write the lyrics down in the email, but I'm just saying, use the tools that are afforded to us as in terms of solidarity with women, in terms of that open conversation that we have about so many precious things in our life and, and, and yeah, and go forth because we can do this. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so, so much. I yeah, love talking to you. And for anyone interested in more of this, go and get the book. It's out now and it's in so many bookshops already. And it's really bright. It will catch your eye. And um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much, Emma. I really appreciate it.